0: Hi, I'm Garth Hand. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders.
1: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell.
0: Frosty signs two more years with FPR. Lockwood locks up Coulthard. And DJR unveils its super team. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders.
1: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes.
0: Mark Winterbottom has signed for a further two seasons with FPR, announcing his decision in a frosty unveiling of his 2012 Orcon Steel Falcon at the Medibank Icehouse in Melbourne. Um, security in the sport's also great. It's, it's not the most uh, secure sport in the world and I think I've got a lot to offer for the team still and car of the future coming on board and a lot of changes. I think, uh, I think we've really got a good chance of winning the championship. So three years, I'm really... Uh, I'm gunning for that win, and I think in three in the next three years we can do it. Tim Edwards spoke about why they signed Frosty so early in the season. If we'd left it to halfway through the year to start negotiating about 2013 and 14, um, it would have distracted us from from the job at hand, which is
2: trying to win the championship. It would have opened him up to negotiate, you know, offers from other teams, and then all of a sudden. You know, nobody's eyes on the on what the real goal is, and that's to win races and win the championship.
0: While Frosty was not able to don the skates due to his broken ankle, he was ably assisted by Olympic medalist gold medalist, in fact, Steve Bradbury, who is a huge motorsport fan. I'm hoping to get my hands behind the wheel of one of those things on the track, possibly at the end of the season, and maybe cut a few laps, which would be nice. Tim Edwards talked about how the team was preparing for 2012 and their assault on the championship. You're only as good as your last race, so if we all just roll the clock back to Homebush, which was our last race, you know, and we won the race, it, it meant everybody could um,
3: could have the Christmas break, you know, with a real feel-good feel good factor about you know how we finished the year. So. You know, obviously we're going to use our best endeavours to make sure that we can carry that on throughout this year.
0: Frosty will be waiting for the results of today's scan on his ankle to know if he'll be in his new ride at the official test day next week. I've been really um, you know, pumping up the arms and getting fit for the season but at the same time I don't want to damage it because long term and Adelaide's obviously priority um, that, that's sort of the goal so stay fit, stay off it and um, try and let it heal but it's sore at the moment and 12 days till the test, it's going to be um, pretty close for hopping in the car on the test day. Dick Johnson Racing has announced their merger with Paul Morris Motorsport with the team preparing the number 49 VIP pep food car for Steve Owen. This will be the second time Owen has driven for Dick Johnson Racing and sees him become the newest driver in the Series for Ford. Dick Johnson Racing will also launch their final livery for the Jim Beam cars after the Sandown Test Day in the lead-up to the Eclipsal 500 to start the season. But James Moffat's new ride will be launched at a public unveiling of the Norton car in Sydney on February 6th. The Dick Johnson Racing Team will assemble the car in front of a live crowd. Brad Jones Racing has unveiled their final livery of 2012, Fabian Coulthard, who will drive the Lockwood-sponsored entry as Asa Abloy, the parent company of Lockwood, has secured the naming rights to the car for season 2012, with the team also showing off their shooting star tribute to Jason Richards. The 2010 British Formula Ford Champion, Scott Pye has been signed at the Monster Energy Drink GearWrench Commodore. He will move into the championship winning development series ride for 2012 after spending last year in British Formula 3. Pye has been supported by Triple Eight Race Engineering over the past few seasons in Europe and is now making his first attempt at the Tintops. Kelly Racing has appointed Tony Dow into the position of Performance Director at the team. He will oversee the technical racing aspects. Dow, who has relocated from the United States to Australia to work at the team's Brayside headquarters. Having previously worked as managing director of TWR's United States Arm, which operated their Jaguar sports program in the late 80s and early 90s, he also has Formula One experience with Ensign, Brabham, Wolf, Ligier, and Arrows, and has worked at the IndyCar Championship for Chapparell and Newman Haas, just to name a few. Dow has also served as a representative of the FAA's Sports Car Technical Working Group. Todd Kelly spoke about the appointment.
4: The big thing for
2: us this year is to really take the team to the next level and we can't do that without hiring more staff and high-level staff to fill key positions. So he's been fantastic in that respect. As far as a, as a team, and especially in an engineering sense, uh, our capabilities will be much higher than we've ever been since we've been in operation.
0: Forex have announced that they'll be no longer sponsoring the V8 Supercar Series, with the brewing giant Lion Nathan releasing a statement this week saying that they had to reassess their sponsorship and were not renewing for 2012. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Grant Rowley and Stefan Bartholomus will join me. Then on the white flag lap, Mark Fogarty will talk about the life Mark Fogarty will talk about his life in motorsport and his career as a journalist.
1: News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, well, it's the Speed Cafe guys. It's Grant Rolly and Stefan Bartholomeus. I hope I got that right, Stefan. You
2: certainly did, Craig. Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, Grant, always a pleasure to have you on. It's uh, an interesting 2012 we are rolling into as we get set for the test day not far away.
4: Yeah, very much looking forward to the test coming up at Sandown on February 11th. Uh, very exciting to have V8 supercars come back. I guess by the time the uh, 2011 season ended, we were all uh, praying for it to end and you know we just wanted to uh, go on a holiday, but uh, it didn't take too long for people to get itchy feet and um, you know, we're just revving up now into uh, seeing uh, new drivers in uh, different cars and new look cars and uh, all the uh, exciting things that a new season brings.
0: Gary Rogers, Stephan, is one man who uh, really likes to uh, play things out to the last moment. It's interesting that he's announcing his new driver the day before the test day.
2: Yes, uh, one would think that the driver might need a little bit more notice than that. Can't just uh, roll up and hope hope he's got his helmet with him, but, um, yeah, I'm sure sometime between now and then it'll all come out and uh, you'll read about it on Speed Cafe. I,
0: that's how uh, Tad Duslas got his drive, wasn't it, Grant, last year? He uh, just had his helmet on him when he turned up at the racetrack? Uh,
4: that's right. If you're referring to uh, Philip Island and the uh, driving for the Tony Delberto team, uh, that's, uh, that's exactly how he got uh, that drive when Tony ended up with... Uh, Chickenpox on the uh, on the Friday at Phillip Island, but um, uh, yeah, look, just uh, about the uh, the the Gary Rogers thing. There, I think um, you know, it's uh, Gary traditionally likes to leave his uh, leave his driver appointments to the last minute. He was famous for uh, keeping his in being the last to uh, make the call on endurance drivers. Uh, But you know, since these uh, rules have uh, changed in recent years, um, everyone's got to be a little bit more. Uh, on the ball with that sort of thing but uh, you know Gary's got the pick of the uh, pick of the rest and he's been pretty good at picking some uh, good young talent in the, in the past you only got to look at the likes of um, Garth Sander and Jamie Winkup uh, two of, of many guys he's, he's plucked out so if he goes for a young buck uh, be sure to see them hanging around uh, this, this category in the future.
0: What odds do you really give him for going young again, where you do have some quality, experienced drivers out there to pick from?
4: Uh, look, I think he's got not much other choice than to go for a young guy, really. The only uh, experienced guy he could go for is Alex Davison, and look, I'm sure he's uh, he's in the mix there uh, and would, would do a, uh, a, a very solid job for Gary and, and really push Michael Caruso, which is what the team needs, um, but you know I don't know if it's Gary's style to go for someone who um, is uh, you know in Alex's position. Uh, that's just my gut feeling, and he could very well uh, choose Alex or another experienced driver, maybe someone like Marcus Marshall, who drove for them in the endurance races. Um, but yeah, my gut is that he'll go for youth.
0: Do you think, Stefan, that perhaps Fujitsu are going to sway? The decision he has to make because previously he had very long and uh long-standing and very supportive sponsors do you think Fujitsu are going to be pushing for results perhaps over Gary's normal motorcycle operando
2: well there's no doubt that's the first box you've got to tick when signing a driver is pleasing your main backers in this case Fujitsu and yeah so you look at the guys that have been linked to that um to that squad and the likes of Scott McLaughlin might not be ready to go and swing the bat and win races straight away, but um, he's enjoyed the backing of Fujitsu for a long time, so that could be a pretty favourable option, you would think.
0: Mm. Of course, Techno Motorsports Grant is uh, another team that uh, is looking for a driver by virtue of the fact that they picked up a second uh, wreck in the off-season. It's been interesting to see the names associated with both Gary Rogers. The speculation with Brad Jones up until David Wall got announced, and and of course Gary, as we've been speaking about.
4: Yeah, there's been a, uh, a wide variety of names thrown up into the into the mix, but to be honest, I'm not going to be too surprised by the final makeup of the 2012 V8 Grid. Uh, the the names being thrown at the uh, Techno Auto Sports drive alongside uh, O Webb have uh, all been experienced guys. They're not in the uh, the, the Gary Rogers sort of mould of uh, taking on a uh, young rookie. They really need an established and experienced person to uh, help that young team move forward. They're, they're in a totally different uh, sort of position to uh, to GRM. So, uh, you know, Andrew Thompson was uh, linked to that uh, team for a long time and, and I guess everyone went into the Christmas break all but assuming that uh, Tomo was going to get that ride there. Uh, but as soon as we came back from Christmas and uh, New Year, it had become apparent that uh, that uh, their talks had broken down and uh, Tomo is now not on the menu at Techno and uh, SpeakFA.com only this week uh, has uh, heavily linked Michael Patrizzi into that seat. Patrizzi, of course, has competed in two full V8 seasons. Uh, not with a great deal of success, but um, he's... Uh, is uh, just coming off the back of a pretty good Carrera Cup season. Uh, he's a fast young driver, and um, and you know I think uh, given a good chance in a in a good car, he could um, he could do some good things. And really, the best thing he could do is to um, to help push Jono Webb forward. We saw with uh, Webby in his year with Dick Johnson Racing, his first year in the main series when there was three Dick Johnson Racing cars. Of course, James Courtney, uh, Stephen Johnson, and Webb. Um, all three of those guys finished in the top thirteen. Webb went out on his own this year in a single car team and really found it uh found it difficult and If he was inside the top twenty this year uh you know he was having a uh, a good race so he needs a teammate who can who can drive him forward uh, and work well um, in their uh, small team environment and uh, you know patrizzi i think uh could do that job and so could a number of others including. Uh, as we talked about before, the Alex Davisons of the world, or maybe even like you, Jack Perkins, you know, some guys like that who uh, would uh, work well in the team unit.
0: Mm. Of course, Stefan, uh, Michael Patrizzi has got good sponsorship behind him. Another name that Grant didn't mention, but Jason Barguana has got uh, some money behind him. And obviously, for a fledgling team expanding like WebO is, we uh, could see that uh, maybe someone who can help fund the program is going to get the nod over uh, another young Charger, if you like.
2: Well, certainly, Craig, it's got to make commercial sense, whatever uh, decision they make regarding drivers for that second car. I wouldn't imagine in this phase of the business plan for Techno Autosports that winning races is really sort of on the cards. But, yeah, when you're talking about making commercial sense, Jason Buckwiner, for sure, I mean, he doesn't complain that, that sometimes you've got to bring money to rides. He just goes out and finds it and gets it done so he's over racing in New Zealand at the moment not sure whether he will really end up there or not but um yeah certainly someone of that ilk might come along
0: and surprise us mm. it is going to be interesting times ahead on the driver front and of course uh, uh, I notice with interest that uh, we could be seeing uh, more 888 Commodores on the grid uh, Grant you've uh, released a story saying that Lucas Dumbrell has decided to ditch Walkinshaw Performance and go to Triple Eight. That's
4: right. He's picked up the Russell Ingall chassis that uh, that Ingall used for the past couple of years in super cheap colours run out of the Paul Morris Motorsport shop, which is now obviously uh, downsized considerably, not running any main series team uh, entries this year. Uh, so Dumbrell taking on the... Uh, support of 888 and taking on a, uh, a, a new car to them uh, the car's actually currently at 888 with the with Lucas's crew uh, mauling over it, learning um, what bolts go into what hole uh, and they'll take it back and put its 2012 stickers on it and, and throw it out there in the test. Uh, Lucas hasn't at the, at the moment announced who his driver's going to be but um, the uh, speculation is that Taz Douglas will get that ride, which is a, a fantastic story in itself. Taz is a great young driver who uh, hasn't uh, ever been really given a, a great chance in V8 Supercars. He's, uh, uh, you know, any time he's done Formula Ford or his Fujitsu stuff, it's always been uh, basically him and his dad running the show. His dad drives the truck to the uh, to the track, and Taz services the car during the week. Um, he's a very much an all-rounder, and will certainly fit in at the um, at the Lucas D'Umbrell Motorsport shop there. Uh, and you know, they've certainly got their best opportunity to to score a result, uh, score some some better results. You know, we're having the um, the technical know-how of Triple Eight, and as long as those guys there don't go and try and reinvent the car, listen to what the Triple Eight people have have got to say, and and feed off that, then. You know that team could really, really surprise. Warren Luff is not a um, 28th, uh, 28th position driver and uh, he was uh, made to look um, really bad during the 2011 season. There's not uh, a, uh, a nicer way to really uh, explain it. And um, look, Lucas has, has realised that and he doesn't want to be seen at the back of the field. So uh, if you can't beat them, join them. And he's uh, picked up one of the uh, leading chassis, and uh, let's see where they end up in 2012.
0: Mm. I'm surprised, Stefan, that the knowledge that Lucas D'Umbrell, Triple Eight car, hasn't reignited the Andrew Thompson rumours once again because obviously there's a a link there with his experience in the Triple Eight Commodores. Yeah,
2: well, I don't really know what to say to that, Craig. I mean, we're pretty sure that Taz Douglas will end up in that ride, and uh, Tomo seems to be maybe sniffing up towards Queensland Way around the Stone Brothers for endurance drive or something of that nature. So um, I'm not sure if we should be assuming he'll be in a 888 chassis.
0: Mm, it's interesting times ahead we need to take a break here on the v8 insiders plenty more right after this
1: find out more about your favorite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the v8 insiders you've taken the v8 to the races you watch the action on tv now read about them in v8x magazine v8x magazine dedicated to just one thing v8 supercars Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm
0: Shane
2: Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
0: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us here is Grant Rowley and Stefan Bartholomeus here as we uh, look at... Well, the year that is approaching and one of the uh, biggest surprises I think everyone or perhaps some members of our supercars even got uh, a few weeks ago, Stefan, is they uh, got told that we're downsizing. We perhaps don't need to renew contracts for your position. And, uh, of course, the highest profile of those was Adam Perry, who looked after the uh, technical side of the business and also had a, a hand in the development of the Car of the Future program.
2: Yeah, obviously, um, the exact number of employees there down at Narang isn't uh, something they uh, make all that public, but we understand that at least 10 of those are no longer there or shortly won't be. So uh, that's a pretty pretty significant, probably around 20% of their their staff. So for sure, it's, it's not unusual after a change of ownership for a bit of a review and a bit of a restructure, but uh, we'll see... Sort of how it uh, how it unfolds in terms of the car of the future. Adam Perry was quite involved in that project, and obviously, it's not done yet. The teams are still uh, still waiting for the final drawings of everything, and they need to do the aero testing and confirm the tyre package. So, uh, there's still a bit to do, and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll figure it out.
0: Beginning of 2011, Grant, v Supercars were on a bit of a a growth phase and, and employing people left, right and centre. It's interesting now with the new ownership, the reviews that have been going on, they are doing such a quick about-face. And I guess there's no easy way to per- tell people that they're not going to have a job in the future, is there?
4: Well, not, not really. It would never be a nice uh, nice conversation to to have. But look, as, as Stefan said, it. Uh, it, it it's a pretty significant cut when you're taking um, what what could be as much as 20% of your workforce away. It's um, it's a sizey cut, but you know, not uh, not all that surprising really, um, with uh, the the private equity uh, takeover there that we saw mid-year. I guess I guess this uh, was was um, probably always going to happen, and. Uh, but you know i'm sure v8 supercars will be working extremely hard to uh to uh, maximize the uh maximize its uh, staff and and get the most out of everybody you know just like every uh, business is doing it's not um totally happy times uh for um many businesses in australia or, or around the world at the moment so you know i it's certainly uh something that didn't uh, surprise me at all but um uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll just see what happens and the uh, flow-on effects. And to be honest, um, out of all the uh, people who had uh, have have been um, uh, cut from the business, there, there's really only one or two uh, which will affect my business. Um, you know, on the on the media side. Um, so most of it is uh, other stuff which is going on behind. Uh, uh behind the uh, doors there in the so you know I, I honestly can't really comment on on that but certainly the um the removal of uh, Adam Perry there is is uh, significant and interesting to see how they go about um either replacing him or seeing who f- fits into uh into that sort of role
0: mm. and it's interesting Stefan, because this year is going to be what I'm calling pretty much a gap year because technically We're talking about obsolete equipment, and uh, that's why, I guess, Lucas Dumbrell's decision to get a 888 Commodore is a bit of a surprise because that car's not going to be much good to you come season 2013.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Webby's team's doing the same thing, moving to the 888 Commodore, and I think that might actually be linked into Car of the Future and what what deal they can put in place with 888 for when that rolls out. But you're right, um, this sort of uh, downsizing might not be the most significant event in the history of the sport, but it's certainly going to be a big year for them with Car of the Future rolling in and how that works in terms of stakeholder viability, as case likes to, likes to say, and if they can get any manufacturer investment. And all the other things that are going on as well with the media rights landscape sort of changing and their dealings with governments, and both locally and internationally, Sort of moving forward to see what happens. It's going to be interesting.
0: Mm. Yes, and it's interesting you you raise other stakeholders coming in at the manufacturers level because Sir Bruce Newton up at the Detroit Motor Show has got Chrysler on the record as saying, "Well, definitely, maybe."
4: Yeah. Well, look, honestly, not surprising that uh, Bruce would uh, ask that question over there, uh, and um, you know, not all that surprising that they uh, they that the the uh, chief. Uh, Chrysler fellow over there didn't didn't shoot it down, um, so you know and a uh, a good interesting local uh, story. You know, will that will Chrysler come in? I mean, I'm not really sure. Uh, it uh, for me would seem unlikely that they would come in in 2013. That's not to say that they wouldn't come in. Uh, you know, sometime in the future. But um, you know, if you look at the positive side, it's great that. Uh, that they know what V8 Supercars is and um, it's somewhat on their radar and I guess it would be even better if, if they did decide to come in but I guess my tip would be that, that you know it's probably not going to happen for 2013.
0: The critical thing though Grant is that when we're looking at the car of the future, Scafie, Tony were adamant at Sydney that there's one, two and possibly a third manufacturer that is going to hit the grid 2013 and you would expect someone would be trying to get a bit of a buzz happening around that
1: move.
4: Yeah, would they or wouldn't they? I think uh, car manufacturers and V8 supercar teams in particular like to keep all their uh, their secrets, just that. They don't like to tell anybody. They like to uh, issue their press release and have everybody at their computers go, whoa, that's exciting, I didn't know about that. Uh, You know, they don't want anybody talking about it. So, um, you know, there has been some whispers about... Um, who the new manufacturer is or could be, um, and uh, you know there's um, there's certainly one or two names in there uh, in the uh, in the in the list that seem pretty plausible and um, and uh, you know perhaps might even happen. And, and to be honest, I believe Scafi I think we will see a new manufacturer in the mix in 2013, but um, I don't think it'll be Chrysler.
0: Stefan, what do you think the manufacturer is going to want to get out of VH Supercars? Because the more Archer Capital are involved, the more you realise how much of a business this is. And so if you're investing in a business, you want a return for your investment.
2: Oh, for sure. And they're going to come in not as an engineering firm, any manufacturer, but they're going to come in as a sponsor. So to sponsor the AFL and they look at their demographics and see what they get out of it and it would be no different with the eight supercars. So yeah, for sure the Chrysler 300C is a car that fits the mould, so the branding's probably pretty good, but whether Chrysler really has the volume to make it worthwhile, I sort of shudder at that one. I mean, I believe they sold less than 400 300Cs in Australia last year, so you would be adding quite a few thousand dollars to the sticker price of each car to pay for a program like that.
0: Mm. And and that's the key, isn't it? You've got to look for a volume when you're going to make a decision like this, Grant.
4: No manufacturer is going to come in unless it makes uh, total sense for them. No manufacturer is going to come in unless it is going to sell them more motor vehicles. Uh, And really, that's uh, that's the end story, exactly as Stefan said before. It's not something that they can come in and try and reinvent, uh, reinvent this game. There's a, a pretty strict uh, rule list that Scafey and his men have made up. They'll play by that. It's basically uh, some stickers on the car and, and try and sell um, more motor vehicles to Australian and uh, international viewers.
0: Mm. And, of course, the critical thing is, as yet, I haven't seen a press release that says Ford's committed to the Car of the Future program either.
4: Neither of us have seen that, uh, seen that either. But they, that, that VA, but Ford is continuing to back its uh, its teams at this point. They've got a huge investment over at Ford Performance Racing. Uh, they've only just recently recommitted to Dick Johnson Racing as well, uh, and I'm pretty sure you'll see them uh, stay with Stone Brothers at least for uh, this year. You know, I can't. Ford will not pull out. Um, they will, They will certainly. Uh, tighten up uh, in various bits and pieces, but you know I, that I can't see them pulling out. Ford pulled out once upon a time many, many moons ago uh, and I, I do remember uh, Ray Price telling me once upon a time, Ray Price was the former motorsport manager uh, for a number of years uh, back in the mid-noughties um, he uh, he said that uh, Ford had said that they, they won't pull out, you know they might not uh, invest as much as they were doing in the at the start of um, at the start of uh, you know in 2000 or uh, back in the heyday where there was uh, lots of cash and they they took their money out of the Australian Open to um, put into their V8 supercar program. We're not going to see that level of um, of funding again, not in the near future. But um, I can't imagine Ford um, uh, pulling out, and you know whether it's a whether you need a press release to know that, or um, or, or what have you, I'm, I'm not too sure. But uh, I would uh, I would be pretty sure that Ford will remain in keep its uh, motorsport program going in Australia for a long time to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Guys, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you here on the van. So, Stefan, a great debut. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Greg. And, Grant, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you in, uh, well, a trackside very, very soon with the test only uh, only a couple of weeks away.
1: Yep, we'll be there. Thanks.
0: After the break, the white flag Lap here on the V8 Insiders.
1: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
0: Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we catch up with Fogs, of course, the editor-at-large of Auto Action and also journalists for The Melbourne Age. And I started by talking to him about his career and, importantly, how he goes about the process of knowing who and what to ask.
3: I guess it's kind of always come naturally to me, but I think it's because certainly initially I approached it from the point of view of just being a motorsport fan. And I asked the sort of questions that a motorsport fan would ask, certainly just the sort of questions as a fan that I wanted the answers to and, you know, I've extended that and refined it over the years but it still basically comes back to, you know, uh, I'm naturally inquisitive, curious so um, that builds the base of the sort of questions that you ask and then the more you know about a particular field, you know, the more depth you can put into your questions and the more Challenging they can be, and I think it's important to challenge people with your questions because if you just, you know, deliver slow balls to them, you know, they're not going to give you, well, they're going to reply in kind, aren't you? Whereas if you challenge them and, and they're, they're people with any depth to them, they're, they're going to fire back. So, and that normally produces, you know, a pretty lively and interesting interview. But uh, the bottom line is just if you use your own curiosity and ask the sort of questions that, you know, you want the answers to and that you think other people will want the answers to as well.
0: A lawyer's always told never ask a question you don't have an answer to. That would be the exact opposite in my experience. I find it's most fascinating when I've got no idea where the answer goes or it goes completely opposite to what I expect how often do you get that experience these days with your knowledge of everything that's going on in the world
3: i always like to be surprised and i want to be surprised and i want my questions to result in an answer that produces something that people generally don't know and and certainly if it's something that i haven't heard about well that's going to be i figure pretty exciting because you know i'm inside the sport if you like so i'm Privy to a lot of information, so if I haven't heard something or if I haven't heard a person's response in in a, in a certain manner to to even an innocuous, you know, um, pretty standard question, um, well, I think I, I've done my job, and that's you know, with interviews, you're always aiming to find out things, to find out new things, and uh, that includes you know people's opinions on things, and the only frustration about doing interviews, which is sort of you know, it's the, it's my you know it 's the foundation or it 's my signature piece in auto action if you like is the, you know the big interview every couple of weeks. The only frustration is you know oddly for a four page feature i don 't have enough time i 'd really love to talk to most of these people um, uh, a lot longer because there are most people involved in high level activities like v8 supercar racing and certainly Formula One. Uh, by their very nature, very interesting people and they've had interesting lives and they have interesting interests and they have interesting thoughts and opinions on things. So a lot of the time I'm frustrated by the fact that I'm limited not only by time but by the subject matter. I'd you know, really like to explore people like, say, Garth Tander or James Courtney or Craig Lowndes or Jamie Windcup, those sorts of people, and what they really think about... you know. <laughs> almost life in the universe but you know about politics about you know social justice you know and what's happening in the world we, we never get to explore that sort of depth and uh, which is, is a bit of a shame because i think some some of these guys and certainly some of the guys in formula one really do have something to say a, a lot of course, have nothing to say so you know it's a bit of potluck
0: you've gone to the long form of your medium last year with craig lounges's book has that given you any change of perspective on writing and has it made you want to perhaps do more books over doing the articles that you are now well-known for?
3: I learned that it's a hard way to make a living um, writing books. It was a, you know, it, it was hard yakka for a couple of months, but it was uh, a very interesting exercise to sit down and explore Craig Lowndes and his thoughts on racing in some depth. And um, the end result was, you know, pretty successful. Every writer, you know, likes the idea of writing books, and there are a lot of subjects in motorsport, particularly that I would like to do books on. Whether they're commercially viable, probably not. You know, like my boyhood hero, growing up, was Norm Beachy and you know, he he was a great showman. He was the first real superstar of Australian touring car racing, and you know he had a very interesting life and and you know not just the racing side of it and i'd love to do a book on that but i I, you know unfortunately it's probably not commercially viable because there just simply aren't enough people left anymore i guess who would want to to read that book but if i got the opportunity i'd do it alan moffat is another guy whose story you know deserves to be told properly um you know there are quite a few things like that and a lot of people i know you know friends work associates you know keep trying to encourage me to to write my own autobiography of all my (laughs) interesting times and adventures over a career coming up on 40 years now you know in journalism you know which takes in sports journalism takes in radio broadcasting you know I've been well what haven't I been you know I've worked in newspapers magazines television radio I've been a sportscaster and a newscaster you know now I do what I've always enjoyed doing is, is is motorsport, but it's been a very varied and interesting career. And people sort of often say to me, "Oh, you know, you know, write write your story." You know, we really want to hear about all these great things and great people and all the hijinks and the adventures. And you know, I'm sure there's a story there. I don't know how many people would really be interested. You know, and you've got to find a publisher. But I suppose one day that's something I might do in my, in in my dotage.
0: Obviously, people see you, and so they ask you, what do I have to do to become a motorsport journalist? What do you tell them, and would you change anything you've done?
3: They have to want to do it. It's like anything. If you have a passion for something and you want to pursue it, well, you're off to a flying start. That's how I got started. You know, as a 15-year-old kid, I saw journalism and writing about car racing particularly <laughs> principally back then as a 15 year old as a way to get uh, a free pass to the races i was astute enough to have worked out by reading lots of magazines that mm, the media or the press as we call it then they got free entry that was a good deal and got to meet everyone and i am um, you know i, I must well it's, it's obvious i was a pretty precocious young bloke um a lot of self-confidence for no reason whatsoever, because if you saw some of the early stuff I wrote, um, you wonder how I ever, you know, lasted this long, I certainly do, but the first thing I ever wrote or submitted to a magazine, which was to Auto Action, um, got published, and that created the monster, and I just, you know, went on from there, and the association with Auto Action is coming up for 40 years. Um, I have been unfaithful to them on occasions, and have strayed elsewhere along the line, but in in uh, for the past several years i've been back at my natural home at auto action but yeah you just you just have to want it enough that you'll find the opportunities and have you know obviously for a journalist a basic command of english is necessary although you don't have to be good at english you know in terms of you know school you know my grades in english you know in the final few years in high school you know weren't startling at all um, you know, but there is a difference between journalism and, and you know, English grammar but still you have to have a basic command of, of the English language and, and a willingness to learn you know, I developed my writing ability over the years by just reading everyone else and working out why some writers wrote the way they did and who was good and who wasn't and, and you know, absorbing that and then I got formal training as a cadet on the Australian newspaper in their sports department in Melbourne and uh, off we went
0: my thanks to Fogues, Grant Rowley and Stefan Baltholmeus as the chequered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round,
1: keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.